This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. What is our daily objective? I always mention it, and that's to make you an above average investor, to help you achieve that goal. I always promise to do my best to give you my unbiased opinion, uh, unbiased um, uh, analytical look at whatever stocks you want me to look at, or about your situation, or about a strategy, or about what the Federal Reserve is doing, or the economy is doing, any of those things. So I welcome all your investment questions, and to do that, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. That's our anytime listener line number, 888-992-4278. Why don't we take a question on our anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART. How do we go to Dave in Burlingame? How are you doing, Dave? Thank you for taking my call, and I love your show. Thank you. Thanks for calling. My question is, I understand how it's important to pay off your mortgage, especially when you're around age 50. My question to you is, would it be a good move to take the money that you have saved in your 401k to pay off your mortgage? I'm currently 47. Okay, would that be a good move or not? No, it would not be, Dave. Why do I say that? The 401k is for your retirement. And the house is also for your retirement. So saying that, you would think, well, it makes sense, does it not? No. I like you to have two different types of assets there, not just all your money in one asset. Okay, I still think it's a great idea to pay off mortgage, pay down mortgage, get those things paid off. But I don't think you should do it with retirement money. That money is uh, it's tax deductible as you put the money in there. And the other, only other tax deductible you have is the mortgage payment, the interest. Not that that's why you should have a mortgage. I don't think you should have a mortgage. I think you should try to pay it down. I would much rather see you take a little extra money every month, and I know it's tough when you're working stiff and you're not making a lot of money and a lot of free money, but I'd much rather say, see so you pay 50, 100 bucks a month and use that extra money to pay down that mortgage and continue to fund your 401k. I appreciate your answer and basically leave the 401k alone, mm-hmm. uh, pay, add whatever additional money that you can, whatever uh, you can. to pay it off. You'll be a surprise, Dave, how fast it will take down that mortgage if you're disciplined and do it every month. I appreciate your advice. Thanks for Thanks, taking Dave. my call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to John in Walnut Creek. How are you doing, John? Hi, very good. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. I uh, just calling to get your advice. Uh, my wife and I are 37 years old, and we both maxed out our 401k. We had a Roth. We have two young kids. We put away about $200 into each one of their uh, 529 plans. What advice do you give for additional savings that we have? Do we put it in a CD, or do we do I don't want to just leave it in savings. So, we'll... John, first of all, do you have money set aside for emergencies? Uh, yes. Okay. Now, do you have a mortgage? Yes. And what kind of mortgage is it? Is it a 30-year fix, a 15-year fix? It's uh, a 30-year fix. Okay. Do you pay extra on it every month? No, we don't. So you're maxing out your 401k. You're putting money aside for your children. You have enough emergency money set aside. The next step I would do is, do you have any credit card debt? 
No. Uh, then I probably pay a little extra on my mortgage every month. Okay. And what I did for years is you write out a check for the mortgage payment, you write out another uh-huh. check for $200 or $100, whatever you're going to do, and you write on that check, apply to the principal. That takes your principal down every month. And then what happens is as that eats down the principal, more of the normal monthly mortgage checks goes to the principal too. Yeah, so I guess you're kind of earning money off this saving money from not paying so much interest. Exactly. If you ever figured out a 30-year fixed, you're actually paying, after 30 years, paying that payment. You'll be paying like two and a half, three times the amount of the money you borrowed. Did you know that? Yeah, that's uh, that's very good advice. You're investing in real estate. Exactly. You're taking that investment, pulling it down. That real estate, it's a real estate investment. That's all it is. If you have those other things already set up, that is a very good way to invest in money because you're already maxing out your retirement account. So that's important. And you're already putting money aside for your kids' education. That's very important. You don't have any credit card debt. What else can you do? Get that mortgage on you in your late 30s now. You want to have that mortgage paid off by the time you're in your 50s. Yeah, that would be good. It, it will work if you do this. It will. You will have that done. You will. Okay. John, I appreciate the call. Best advice as always. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Today's main talking point. How HSAs, health savings accounts, offer a triple tax benefit. Triple tax benefit. An HSA might make sense for you, especially if you're a high income earner. So we're going to look at this. Some of the other topics I want to talk about today. Bonds. The different ways and different kinds of bonds you might want to participate in in today's market. If you're going to be in bonds, where should you be in bonds? There's four four ideas. Four ideas of, of how you can participate in the bond matter. Bond ladder. Okay, in Goldman Sachs, tech growth stocks are most expensive relative value stocks. Since the 2000 bubble, tech growth stocks are most expensive relative to value stocks since 2000. What happened after that? Value stocks very outperformed tremendously. Though so they have some inform- interesting information on that, and I'm going to share it with you. And undateable, if you guys are single out there, or you gals even, all too, you're single out there, you're looking for a date, there was a survey done on, on eligible bachelor and bachelorettes looking for the day. What credit card debt is undateable? How much credit card debt do you have? And then it makes you undateable. undateable. And also, how about in payday loans? Totally undateable. How about student loans? Not so much, but they gave some numbers. I'm going to share those. I thought they were kind of fun. And we're definitely going to talk about the yield, yield curve here today. Got to talk about that. Again, that was one of the lessons at Invest Talk Academy. You know, that's our class we put on once a week. Uh, Justin's doing it tomorrow, and I do it next Thursday. Uh, he does it on Wednesday. I do it on Thursdays. He does it at 1 o'clock. I do it at 9 o'clock in the morning. We just try to break it out there in times. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We're headed into a quick one-minute break. On the other side, I will talk about that yield curve, I promise, and what it might mean for predicting the strength of the U.S. dollar, the U.S. economy. And, of course, I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. The 
You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 992 4278. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody, and I do appreciate you being with me. Now, here's a, here's a headline that we saw this morning. As yield curve inverts, there's a bearish omen for the dollar. We found this story on Bloomberg.com. What does that mean, yield curve? For those people who don't know what a yield curve, uh, when it inverts. The normal yield curve is when a two-year, five-year, ten-year treasury pays yields and normally. And normally the shorter t- time period pays less than the longer time period. In other words, they may pay 2%, the five-year may pay 3%, and the ten-year may pay 4%, and that's normal. The shorter pay less than the longer. That's the normal. Uh, inversion of that yield curve, those three uh, cur- uh, yields, and that means that one that the two-year yield is higher than the five-year or the ten-year. The yield on the two-year is higher than the yield on the five- and ten-year treasuries. Why would that happen? Okay, well, I can explain why it happened, but when that does happen, that usually portends a, a, an economic slump, a recession. That's what that usually means, that one is coming. The problem is, is the timing. It doesn't happen right away. It could be a month or two. It could be up to a couple years, somewhere in between there. No one really knows for sure because it changes. So this, we're talking about the spread between the short-term bonds and the long-term bond. The spread means a difference in interest rates. So the spread between, am I using my example, the two-year paying three and the five-year paying four, the spread is 1%. That's the spread between those. If the two-year is paying two and the 10-year is paying five, that spread is 3%, the difference. Now, why are these things important? Because it, as I said, it could mean that the U.S. market, U.S. economy is going to recession. And it has 100% of the time been true over the years and decades. That's why. And so what does that matter to us in, uh, investors? Well, every time there's a recession, the market collapses. The market will, will, will collapse long before you see the numbers in the economy slumping. But the yield curve is sooner than those economic numbers slumping. It, it, it's, a, it's a closer in uh, indicator. Some experts believe with the U.S. business cycle maturing and the Fed approaching neutral, according to Chairman Powell, uh, that maybe we won't get a, cur- a yield inversion. But maybe that's also pointing to a weaker dollar in the future. So how does it help us? Does it really tell us when the recession is coming? It does not tell us when. That's the problem. 888-99 Charter is our number. 888-992-4278. How are you doing, Richard? Uh, yeah, today uh, my question is on investing or planning college for my son. Okay. I had a thought if I invest in a 529, mm-hmm. what if at the point he's going to go to college, he decides he doesn't want to go? What do I do with the money then? Or very very good question. Should I invest in something different to give him that option? 
when he becomes that age. Let's talk about a 529 plan because I know a lot of people may not know what that is. Each state puts together what's called a 529 plan. Not every state has one. It is a plan for college education. College education. I stress college because it only can be used for college and an accredited college. The 529 plan, you put money in. You can put quite a bit. I don't remember the amount. Richard, do you happen to know? Per year? Yeah. Or to start it out with? Per year. Uh, What's the maximum you can put in it? It's in the thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's a few thousand, somewhere there. But the problem that Richard's asking, and this is the problem, you set up a 529 program for your child to go to college, and then when he's 18, he decides he doesn't want to go to college. A 529 plan can only be used for college. You can't use it for anything else. What you can do at that point is roll it over to another child or another adult. You could use it for your college if you want to go back to school. If you don't, you're going to get taxed and penalty if you take it out of the 529 program and not use it for college. Okay. Find out before you started what that tax and penalty. If you have two children, you can set up two, and if one doesn't go, roll the other one into the, I mean, somehow you got to roll it. Right. He's a single child, so. Then you got an issue there. What if he doesn't? What get? other investments would be equivalent to a 529 that I could get into for him? That is a good alternative. A 529 plan usually has limits. The good thing about the 529 is you get the tax write-off, okay? Right. Now, you can also do a Coverdale, which is an education IRA for your child. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little bit more flexible, but you can't put as much money in it. I think it's $3,000 a year. But a Coverdale can be used for other things other than an approved college. So let's say he wanted to be a truck driver or a hairdresser. You can use that money. Let's say you wanted to use that money for a private high school or elementary school or a middle school. You can use that money. Okay. Okay, so that gives you a little bit more freedom. And again, you can roll that over to another child because you never know. You maybe have another one. Or a niece or a nephew <laughs> if you feel extra generous and you have lots of money in, in 20 years from now. But you still have to use it for education and you still will get penalized if you use it for something other than education. It's just a lot more uh, flexible. Okay. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate the call. Thank you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I invite you to check out our new online training experience called Invest Talk Academy. Justin and I are dedicated. We are making an effort on Invest Talk Academy to become a t- valuable teaching tool for anybody who's a serious investor who really wants to learn. And you're also going to learn more about Invest Talk Academy just by going to investtalkacademy.com. Now I'm ready for your questions. 888 99Chart. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 C H A R T, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Robert, San Diego, how are you doing, Robert? Thank you. One quick question growth rate, earnings rate, future earnings rate, or earnings times growth rate. Is it sales growth rate? No, you want to use earnings growth rate first. Then look at the sales growth rate. Because you can't have your earnings growth rate keep going up when sales is not. So you can't ignore sales, but I would like you to use the earnings growth rate to come up with the calculation. But if you see the earnings going up 20% and the sales going flat, then that 20% is probably not sustainable and you don't want to use it. And how would that vary if you were to use, say, forward earnings or projected earnings versus a forward PE to 
figure the value of stock. Okay, I I generally do it both ways, forward PE and forward sales and growth. Okay, growth of earnings, growth of sales, and then I also use the five-year PE range, low and high. What it does, Robert, is try to give you a box. Okay, this is about where you think it should go. This is a quick and dirty way to evaluate something, you know, to get a future value price of a stock. Excellent. You're a fan of information. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. How to value a stock. Also, Robert, I'll just tell you real quick. My formula, it's earnings growth times next next year's growth rate times next year's earnings per share, only works really good on the mid-sized type of companies. Mid-sized. Not really good on the really small ones and not really good on the really big ones. Why? Because the really small ones grow very, very fast, or should be, and the really big ones grow pretty slow. So using that formula messes you up. It doesn't work as well. Today's main talking point, how HSAs, health savings accounts, offer a triple tax benefit, okay? And it might be most beneficial for wealthy people. So what is an HSA? It's pretty simple. Uh, it's a tax advantage way to save money. You put in an H you open up an HSA account. You can put money in it. You can only, you basically use the money to pay uncovered medical bills, but you, you know, that are not paid, you know, not paid by your health care. Um, uh, the contributions are tax deductible. Their growth is tax-free. And when you withdraw to pay the bills, you don't have to pay any taxes on it, on the withdrawal. Now, you have, there's something rules. You've got to have a high deductible health plan. Well, what's that mean? You've got to have a, a deduct, health plan that provides health coverage, but with a minimum deductible per person of $1,350 or $2,700 per family per year. That's the deductible it has to be. They call that a high deductible health plan. Now, how much can you put into it? Well, you can put in this year $3,450 per year. This year, it'll be $3,500. That's an individual. And only an you can, it's like an IRA. It has to be individual by individual. You can't have like a family HSA or a husband and wife HSA. No, husband can have one. The wife can have one. But you can't have one for both. Okay. So that's what HSA is. Next year, uh, there's a catch-up provision of $1,000 if you're over 55. Uh, there's going to be contribution limits, though, in 2000. Total limit and contribution is $6,900 and then $7,000 in 2019. That's a total contribution limit that you can put in. Uh, so that's an HSA. So what, what you can do is it pays medical bills that are not covered or, you know, that only partially covered by your regular health plan. It's a good thing, good thing to have. It is. Uh, you know, especially if you have the high deductible, it helps pay the deductible. And you, get, you get, don't have to pay taxes on the money you put in it. You don't have to pay taxes on any of its growth. You can invest it any way you want to. Well, almost anyway. Uh, and when you do pay a bill out of it, it's not taxed even when you take money out. There's a limit. You can only pay health care expenses, people. That's it. 888-99-CHART. Let's take another caller question. 888-99-CHART. Thank you for taking my call. And I had a question regarding Regulation T. I was actually uh, somewhat unaware of the, I, I was aware of the rule, but I thought being I was on a margin margin account that perhaps that, uh, you know, pushed me beyond the 25,000 mark. And that didn't happen to be the case. And today I was hit with Regulation T. And I was wondering if that leaves a bad mark 
for me throughout all brokerages or if that's just with the current brokerage house I'm trading with. They basically put my margin on a, on a 90-day hold. You know, what I'm wondering at this point is, uh, you know, if I could take my money to another brokerage or if I'm red flagged with SEC. No, you're not. He's talking about being over-leveraged people. Uh, no, it's with your own broker. No one, there's no, re, you know, clearing house for reporting people that borrow too much money against their account. Matter of fact, even your own, uh, even your own, your current custodian, are, you know, they're, they're not putting a red flag on you forever. It's just this, at this situation, at this time, they still don't want to lose you as a client. So, no, don't worry about that. This is nothing, it's not like a permanent mark on your record. It's not. They just want to make sure they're within, you know, they're, that you're not taking more risk than, than you can actually afford. That's what that's all about. Appreciate the call. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, the market will be closed. So, we have a strong repeat show schedule for tomorrow. Uh, I'll be in the office. Justin will be in the office, but we're letting everybody else take the day off. Uh, stock and bond markets represent the biggest threat of financial stability. That's a story we're going to talk about tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein invite you to join them for their next free live webinar, Thursday, December 27th, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Understand the current market environment. Develop a plan to manage the risk in your portfolio. Plus, get a special webinar preview of 2019 and learn where to expect to find investment opportunities. An all-new live webinar December 27th, and it's free. All you have to do is register at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions and the lines are open. Call now, 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. Okay, um, if you're going to buy bonds because you're afraid of this market, and there's a good reason to be afraid of this market, it's pretty darn volatile. But if you want to buy bonds to like smooth out that volatility, there are certain things, certain types of bonds, certain ways to invest that might uh, help you, and also at the same time uh, reduce the exposure to your market, but also actually make you a little bit of money on the bonds. Because remember, interest rates when interest rates rise, bond values go down. So how can you combat that? Well, one way is to buy a floating rate bond fund. You can buy a floating rate bond fund. So the rate floats up and down. They don't not stagnant. You can buy TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Now those go up and pay more money if inflation goes up. But we don't have a lot of inflation right now. But of course the Fed's threatened saying that it's a threat. We'll see. And you can buy an ultra short-term bond fund or very short-term bond fund. So that way when rates rise, rising rates affect long-term bonds much more than short-term bonds. The short-term bonds constantly turn them over so they get the benefit of an increase in rates. Well, long-term bonds take a long time to turn over, years. 
So you're stuck in a lower rate than when the rates are higher today. And you can do you can you can help help with your bond income by building a ladder. In other words, different maturity dates from short to intermediate. I wouldn't go long at this point, but short to intermediate. You go long, you go long when interest rates are high, and I don't know if we can say they're high yet. Then you want to go long because the chances are reducing interest rates in the future are higher. The closer we get to recession, the higher the chances are they'll start reducing interest rates. But right now, the Federal Reserve is telling us they're bumping their short-term overnight rate to banks, which causes other rates to increase. So it's not a good time to go too far out. Too far out means more than maybe five, six years, more than that. I wouldn't go more than five or six years. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. He has a question about HSA. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, hey, Steve. Yeah, I've had an Thank HSA you. for the last 10 years. I just wanted to share a couple of uh, comments I had in my sure. experience with it. Great. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, please. you mentioned you mentioned how the the uh, contribution limits, and that's true for an individual. There are two contribution limits: one for a single policy, and then there's one for a family. And the family, there's a although it's one policy between the husband and wife. There, if you have a, if your health insurance is for the family, not for an individual, you actually have a higher limit that you can right. contribute to your HSA because your deductible is higher. And I believe yeah, the, that, the limit, I think it's 6700 6900 yeah. this year. Yeah, I think it goes to 7000 next year. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so how, the other thing how, is, how, how, how did, go ahead. I'm sorry, one other thing is, is that, you, you, yeah, the, the intention is to use it for, for, for non-reimbursed medical expenses, and it is tax-free, the withdrawal. But after age 65, you have any, if you have any money left over, because it doesn't expire at the end of each year, at the end of age 65, you no longer can put money in, but you can let, let it grow, and then you can take money out either for medical purposes, um, which, uh, which are non, uh, which you don't have to pay any taxes on, but if you take it out right. after age 65 for regular for non-medical purposes, then it then it's taxed just like an, an IRA is taxed. Okay, so you don't you, you you leave it alone if you can because you'll never know when you'll need it when you're old, so or how right. much you'll need. Okay, very good, good point, Gene. I appreciate the call and thank you for bringing that to my attention. I really appreciate that. Okay, that's HSA Health Savings Account. So if you you know. Age 65 or older, really can't do it anymore. You can't contribute anymore. That's good to know. Good to know. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And, of course, we stream live and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour, Monday through Friday, Pacific time. And we do that every week, every weekday. And it's also, you know, 24 hours, 7 days a week uh, uh, via archived podcast at investtalk.com. So you can listen to it anytime you want. You can download it through the podcast. And I hope you will tell your friends and family, anybody else who's interested in managing money and learning how to do it and become a better investor, tell about a, tell us and tell them if you would about the show and maybe they'll get some benefit. We're taking your financial investing questions live right now, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. 
where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018, and now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about tech growth stocks are the most expensive relative value stocks since 2000. Remember, that was during the dot-com. We're talking about relative value. Relative to value, tech growth stocks are as expensive or more expensive than they were in the 2000 bubble. Now, what does that mean? It means that growth has done very, very well. Value hasn't. And therefore, their valuations, even after coming down sharply, and grow and value stocks coming up because the last month, for instance, Verizon last month was up seven percent. Disney was up two point nine percent. Meanwhile, Netflix was down twenty one percent. Facebook down nineteen percent. Same period. So you're seeing that kind of uh, move toward a more value oriented side of the market. And even after that, there's still today tech stocks, tech growth stocks are much more expensive than value stocks. And they're more so much so that it's worse than it was in 2000 when this happened. So and we're talking about the recent two months or so with this collapsing market, right? Okay, and this is a report done by Goldman Sachs, by the way. Uh, and and so what they're saying, Goldman Sachs, by the way, in their report, did not say get out of tech. They didn't say that. What they did say, though, is uh, their conclusion is, you know, set aside the growth and value filter instead of looking at just growth and value. Instead, approach this sector by looking at so-called quality stocks. So look for good, strong growth stocks that have a value component in them. In other words, they're not super expensive relative to the PE, price to sales ratio, price to growth ratio, saying look for relative value in the growth stock sector. Quality. Don't don't just get out of all your growth stocks. That's interesting. I think that's kind of, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, is what I'm thinking. <coughs> because, you know, Either you're buying growth or you're not buying growth. I like, you know, when I say I, I mean KPP Financial, my company, Justin and I. We like value. We like value plus growth. We want value first, but we want some growth too. I mean, that doesn't mean we won't just buy value. We will, but we would prefer to have some growth. We want, but we don't want to overpay. I would buy tech stocks, but they're too expensive. You heard me at nauseum over the summer. When people are asking me, oh, should I buy Facebook? Should I buy enough? It's too expensive, too expensive. Buy Amazon, too expensive. Every every time that someone called, I would say, well, it's too expensive for me. I wouldn't, it's too expensive. P is too hot. You know, and of course, I'm sure people got bored with me and were saying, well, he's dumb as a rock because they kept going up. 
they kept going up until they didn't, and when they fell, they're all down more than 30%. All of FANG stocks down more than 30%. That's bear market territory, everybody. And I'm not so sure they're done. 888-99-CHART is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. How about Bruce? How are you doing, Bruce? Hi. I would like to know, are there any general principles or guidelines I can use to make a judgment after a stock has broken out either to the upside or the downside that is a low probability that a throwback or a pullback will not occur? In other words, I'm worried about uh, that happening, and I want to be in a low probability that when I decide to invest more or put money in, that that has that the pullback or the throwback will not occur. Okay, so you're trying to hedge your bets that uh, when you invest, you do not want to have less of a chance of a pullback. And and yeah, there's ways to do that. First of all, you look at the fundamentals and make sure that stock is worth more than it's trading at. Because that's number one. Because if the stock is worth more, you'll have more of a chance for people looking at it and wanting to stay in it. As opposed to wanting to take their profits because it's overvalued. Especially the professional. I want to see if I could avoid the pullback. In other words, is it a matter of time or is it a matter of how far it broke out initially? This is an issue that every professional deals with because there's no real clear answer on it, Bruce, but I'll tell you some rules. If the stock moves up, most of this is going to be about charting because you're looking at the technicals, not the fundamentals. What's going to be a pullback? Where will it pull back to? And why will it pull back? If you're looking at a chart, a one-year regular chart on a daily movement of a stock price, if it goes up at a greater than 45-degree angle, chances are very good that you're going to have a 50% retracement in that move at some point. So some stocks pop up over a few-week period, just jump up because of all of a sudden everybody gets excited about that. But then everybody starts to take profits. A 10% pullback in a stock is normal. So if you see a 10% pullback in a stock and then it stops going down, there's a high probability of buying that stock and it won't pull back another 10%. Part of this is you have to look at the volatility of that particular issue. It goes up or down 3% in a day or one-tenth of 1% a day. Does it, how volatile is it? You have to kind of look at a chart and see. You can see where a stock has pulled back before and stopped going down. If it pulls back to that point and stops again, and it's done it two or three times, we call that double bombs or triple bottoms, the high probability it won't go through that bottom. It will not go through that bottom. I see, and that would apply to indexes, too. Yes, it does. One of the reasons why it doesn't is because people like me look at charts and we react to them. So we start buying at those pullback points, and they stop going uh, down. Thanks for the, your time. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. We're going to go to Stan and Temecula. How are you doing, Stan? Good. I've been very perplexed about something. I'm hoping you can help me out. The question is, 
uh, looking at stocks that have a high short ratio, is that a red flag for you as an investor? How do you interpret the number? Does that equivocate to more risk in a stock? Or Very good question, okay? Because there's not really a very simple answer to this. If you have a lot of short interest, for everybody else, Stan, when I answer these questions, I try to answer in general enough so everybody else has some interest in the question. A shorting a stock means you think the stock's going to go down, okay, when you short. And Stan is asking, when you have a lot of short interest, a lot of shorts of the shares of stock, that means a lot of people, some big institutions, somebody is thinking the stock is overvalued and going to go down, not up. And they're going to make money if it does, but they have shorts. So the assumption is that if there's a lot of short interest, that must mean there's something wrong with the stock because a lot of people think it's going to go down. And Stan, that's not necessarily so, first of all, number one. And number two, having a lot of short interest is actually supportive of the stock price because what happens is those people have to buy the stock to get out of their short somewhere, sometime. That's right. how you get out of a short. You buy stocks. So if there's too much short interest, and now what does that mean, too much? Then you want to stay away from it if it's too much short interest. How they translate that, Stan, one way is to hard-to-borrow stock. The stock can be hard to borrow because you, when you're shorting, you're borrowing the stock and sell it short. So if you're hard to borrow, it's either hard to borrow because there's not many very many shares in the float and it's just not borrowable, or there's too many shorts and it's hard to find the shares to sell short. What you really want to look for, Stan, is the increase of short interest, that more and more and more shorts are coming on board. That tells you more and more people are being convinced that there's something's wrong with the stock. So if you take a stock like Apple, for instance, yes, okay. I, I don't happen to know what the short ratio is, but what would be an alarm for you? If, okay. Let's say that the short ratio is five. If you saw it go to 10, then you'd be very concerned. But if it was a very high number, like, say, 15 or 20, and it had stayed there for a while, you would... I wouldn't be so concerned. I know it sounds odd, because I know that all those people are going to make it short squeeze and drive the price up. Put it this way. I don't want to be part of the crowd. I want to be ahead of the crowd. When you're part of the crowd, it doesn't work very good. So what you want to do is look out the percentage of number of shares of the float. If it's only a few percentage points, that's not very much. That's normal. If it's 15 20%, get nervous. Don't short okay. it. Looking at it the other way, does that indicate that people think that Apple's going up then because the short ratio is so low? Yes, that's what that means. And their short ratio is very low, and therefore people think it's going to go up. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call, Stan. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. Our Tuesday program is headed into the finish line. That means we only have about 10 minutes left. So if you want to get in, you got to call. You can get in, but you got to call. You can call right now. 888-99-CHART. We're live. 888-992-4278. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Manny in San Diego, how you doing? Good, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. I was wondering how many years I took off of my mortgage, you would think, by doing that. My mortgage is like a $300,000. I sent a $20,000 payment, and my interest rate's about like five. Eight percent. Twenty thousand. You've probably taken off about. I'm going to guess, and I, I yeah. it's it's an educated guess, but it's still a guess. Yeah. Uh, I'd say about five years. It's a thirty-year mortgage. Yeah. About five years. Oh, great! That sounds good. Yeah, you'd be amazed 
Manny, if you just do a little bit each month, yeah, I don't care how much. You'll be amazed how fast you'll have that paid off. If you put in, I'd say, an extra, you said it's 300000 300000 so I knocked off, yeah, two hundred uh, down to like two eighty now. Okay, now you're down to two eighty. Yeah. I'd say about five, and I know you can't do five hundred a month. I'm not suggesting that you do that. Right. But if you did it at five hundred a month, it'd be off, paid off in ten years. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So that tells you how dramatic it can that's be. That's actually, yeah, that's actually my goal. Was like, oh man, I'm, uh, I want to have that paid off in ten years. See if I can do it. That it's, you know, it's a great goal. Let's say if you don't, you yeah. might just have like forty thousand dollars left. I mean, that's a car payment. That's a buying a car for your house. You'll yeah. be so close that you'll you'll be so happy with it. I I done this. I did the ten year extra five hundred dollars a month on a thirty year fix. That's how I know it works. <laughs> I did it about yeah. uh, about fifteen years ago. Oh great! Yeah, so, I can imagine just living a mortgage payment free. Can you believe that? Think yeah. how much money you can start saving at that point. Yeah. Plus, you don't feel like you're handcuffed. You want to go on vacation to a nicer you know, cruise around the world? Go ahead. Yeah. 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 The money. Yeah, definitely. Man, appreciate the call, Manny. Thank you very much. Thank you for the call. Okay, let's go to Mark in Stockton. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, I just left my company about a month ago, and I just wanted to know what I should do in my 401k plan. Great. I'm glad to hear that they have 401ks. Most companies do these days, and there's no reason why they shouldn't. You can do two things. Did you start a new job? Yes, I did. And they have a 401k also? No, they don't have a 401k. I'm a contractor, so they don't have any uh, okay. benefits. Then what you want to do is you want to roll the 401k into a IRA. Okay. Okay, and it's very simple to do. Don't think it's complex. You can roll that into any type of account. You can go to a bank and roll it into a savings account. You can roll it into a mutual fund account. You can roll it into a stock account. Any place you want to will roll it into. And then you can hire somebody to manage it for you, like us. You know, okay. we manage all types of IRAs. And we do rollover 401ks into IRAs all the time. Is there any fees to roll over the money no. from 401k it, to... It's okay. free. It's okay. no cost. Now, if you have a 401k and it's invested in certain mutual funds, you may have to sell off those mutual funds. In other words, put it all in money market before uh, you roll it over. Oh, okay. But just call anybody who you want to help manage your money, or you can do it yourself. You can go to E-Trade or someplace else, call them up and say, I want to roll this 401k, and they will send you the paperwork. There's okay. also a form that you're going to have to get from your old 401k, from whoever's running that, your plan operator. There'll be a form that needs to be filled out. If you want us to help you with it, give us a call. We'll be happy to do most of that for you. Okay. Maybe I'll give you a call then. Okay. Appreciate the call, Mark. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. 888 chart Undateable if you have too much credit card debt. Undateable. No one wants to date you if you're single. <laughs> well, how much is too much? Too much credit card debt. It's $11,525. Don't ask me how they compiled it. I don't know where they came up with that number. But there was a survey. 77% say credit card debt is unattractive. And what is too much debt? And it's $11,525. Number two reason that you become undateable because of debt, and that is if you have payday loans. Those are those super high cost payday loans that you get paid one day, you take your check down there, and you borrow money against your, your next paycheck. 
very undesirable as a mate for man or woman. Third, third reason that people don't want to date you because of date because of debt is student loans. But student loans, if it's under fifty thousand dollars, you're dateable. If it's over fifty thousand dollars, you're undateable. So you gotta feel sorry for all those single indebted people out there. Anyways, everybody have a great day, a great evening. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Out program. And thank you. I really do thank you for your support. So I'll be back Thursday. The market will be closed tomorrow, and we'll have a repeat broadcast tomorrow. So good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.